Good morning, Eastside family. I bring you greetings from hot and sticky and balmy Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Karen and I are on our most recent grandchildren tour, and since I couldn't be with you today, I wanted at least to take a couple of minutes to introduce to you our speaker. And you'll notice I didn't say introduce our guest speaker. Today's individual who'll be speaking with us, he and his family are certainly no guest to our Eastside family. Roberto Bontris and his wife Johanna and their two daughters, Pamela and Natalie, while they lead and serve in a, a church, a Spanish-speaking church in Denver, Colorado, because they live in Colorado Springs and Roberto actually works here at Compassion International, because they live here and work here, there you'll often see them with our church family. They've been coming for many years on Sunday mornings to our classes, to our church services. Pamela and Natalie have been very and are very involved in our student ministry. As a matter of fact, many of you got to know them when they joined with our Eastside group that recently went on a mission trip to Cozumel. I think as you're going to see today, as Roberto is such a, a gifted speaker and has experience in ministry, I believe you're not only going to be blessed by Roberto's words, but you're going to be blessed by Roberto sharing from his heart. He truly reflects the heart of Jesus. So look, I look forward to being with you next Sunday as we continue our series. We'll be in Joshua chapter 7, and I'll do the best I can to bring back some grandparent or grandchildren pictures to use as slides and incorporate them into the sermon. But for today, Roberta, thank you so much for sharing with our church family. Let's give a big, rowdy east side welcome to Roberto Batres. Good morning, Eastside. It's so good to be here. I don't know if I can live up to that. I, that was probably a little, a little too much. Uh, it's good to be here and worshiping with you, uh, whether remotely or in person. It's always good and pleasant to God's eyes to, uh, uh, for His church to be united in harmony in one purpose, which is glorifying His name. Uh, when we do that, David says in Psalm 133, the Lord sends His blessings and eternal life. So I pray and hope that you are just as happy as I am and blessed as I am to worship the Lord today together. Uh, well, thank you for the opportunity and thank you for uh, the blessing that it is uh, uh, to share a little bit of the Word uh, with you guys, a little bit of what the Lord has put in my heart. After that intro, you're probably like, uh, all right, Eddie, don't joke around. Just, just come back up to the stage. He's actually out, right? So it is me today. Uh, when I was in college, I loved getting together with my friends to play ping pong. Any ping pong players over here? Oh, there you go. I see you. Um, about 10 to 15 of us freshmen would get together in our dorm uh, and uh, would get together to play. It was around 11.15 p.m. to midnight. That's how uh, dedicated we were to our studies. And uh, uh, after a few rounds, you can imagine the smell in that room. I mean, 10 to 15 freshmen, 18, 19-year-olds, all sorts of body odors that you can imagine. But there was one that stood out the most, and it was Gary's. And I'm going to use a fake name over here because, uh, so that I can protect his identity. But Gary's smell was kind of interesting. You could not wonder if he was or not inside the room because Gary loved eating garlic. So whenever he would play that sent just inundated the room. 
right? And uh, it, was, it was really, really bad. You could not ignore his presence. And as we look today, we're going to see that uh, your presence, my presence, cannot be ignored either. Because according to Paul, we also smell, right? Let's look at the verse that we've got uh, on screen, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. Paul says in this uh, portion of the Bible, But thanks be to God, who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession, and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of Him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one, we are an aroma that brings death. To the other, an aroma that brings life. Paul uses a reference uh, as a reference, a very common scene for Christians and uh, citizens under the Roman Empire. See, in Roman times, a procession would sometimes be prepared for a conquering general. And the procession or parade, if you will, would include important leaders from the city, musicians, uh, spoiled that the general had gathered during battle, uh, servants swinging incense, captured enemy soldiers, and finally the general himself along with his family. And the smell of incense would inundate the city so that everybody would know that a, that a successful army general had just arrived to the city. And the enemy soldiers were lined up in a particular way. At the front came those who had willingly surrendered to the Roman army and would be granted freedom and maybe Roman citizenship by the end of the procession. In the back, there would be those who would be executed at the end of the procession because of their resistance to Rome and their leadership. The smell of incense to those in front of that lineup meant freedom, meant survival. The smell of incense to those in the back of that lineup meant death and lack of hope. That is the scene that Paul uses to describe the situation under Christ's triumphant procession. Jesus is that conquering general, that successful general that has overcome death and evil and has given life to you and me. You and I, on the other hand, are that scent, that incense responsible for spreading the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere, just like Paul says. How do we even do that? How does that even look like? Does that mean that we have to wear perfume or cologne or, or a good scent on our bodies every time so that people can notice us? I want us to look together and learn together uh, about how that aroma that you and I are supposed to be, how, how it's supposed to look like, how it's supposed to, to smell like before the three audiences, if you will, that, that Paul describes in these verses. God, those being saved, and those perishing. Let's start with uh, verse 15 of the portion that we're looking uh, uh, over here from 2 Corinthians in chapter 2. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ. And I, wanna, I want us to, to meditate a little bit on that, on that phrase, and especially the word pleasing. The word pleasing uh, makes reference to a sweet, satisfying smell, satisfying scent. One that God does want to smell. Not like uh, my friends over there in, uh, in, in, the ping -pong, in the ping pong room, right? This one God did want to smell, does want to smell. In Leviticus chapter 1, verses 1 through 17, there is the establishment of the burnt offerings. So 
Some of you are familiar with that, uh, uh, with that portion of the Bible. And uh, there are three times in which this one particular phrase is repeated over and over in, that, uh, in those 17 verses. Verses 9, verses, verse 13, and verse 17. In all three of them, it says, Then the priest will burn the entire sacrifice on the altar as a burnt offering. It is a special gift, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. So when we think about this aroma... And the fact that, that, that uh, Paul is associating it with the aroma of Christ, then we start looking at a completely different meaning. It takes a different level than that of the burnt offerings back in Leviticus. The New Living Translation uh, reads in this phrase, Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. A Christ-like fragrance. It's not just something that smells good. It's not just something that, uh, that uh, uh, God is interested in smelling. It has a qualification that revolves around the personality of Christ, revolves around the deity of Christ. It revolves around the qualities of Christ. And I want us to look at a few verses that tell us how that Christ-like fragrance is supposed to look like, is supposed to smell like. Open your Bibles, please, with me in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Paul says in this letter, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are His dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered Himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. There is something about this word that God finds exciting, uh, delightful, and it's the word sacrifice. That's what you see in common in all these verses. And every time that there's a sacrifice, there is a pleasing aroma to God. Do you notice that? To God, brothers and sisters, this aroma that you and I are supposed to be is supposed to look sacrificial. It's supposed to smell sacrificial. It started with the burnt offerings as a sacrifice to the Lord. It went on to Christ becoming the sacrifice once and for all for you and me. But then in practical terms, we are encouraged to imitate God by following the example of Christ. And then it starts becoming Christ-like, right? Living a life filled with love, following the example of Christ... Loved everybody, regardless of their flaws, and offered himself as a sacrifice for us. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, there is a, a very strong commandment. I'm going to use that word. In, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, where, where Paul says, you must have the attitude that Christ had. And then he goes to say that he didn't, he didn't care he didn't consider being equal to God to something to cling on. That's sacrifice, right? The things that we love and the things that we desire and the things that we uh, 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 consider important to us, critical to us, we put those aside to surrender our will to the Lord, to surrender our desires to God. That's how sacrifice looks like. Paul continues saying uh, to the Philippians, in verses uh, 7 through 11.
Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. And talk about a, a, a sacrifice, right? He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Two additional things that we see in, the, in these two verses around how that uh, sacrifice is supposed to look like, how that smell is supposed to smell before God, and it's humble and obedient. Sacrificial, humble, obedient, following the example of Christ. And, and, and uh, 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 this humbleness requires us recognizing that whatever we want, whatever we desire, whatever is a priority for us, actually falls short from whatever the Lord wants for us. And therefore, by being obedient, then we abide by whatever the Lord wants for us. Right? That's how we are supposed to smell before God. That's this aroma that you and I are supposed to be before the Lord. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, talks about another sacrifice that the Lord would love for us to do. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all of He has done for because of all He has done for you. Let Him be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Our aroma to God. That first audience that Paul is talking about in 2 Corinthians, Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15, is pure. Right? It's pure. Physically pure. And if we read into Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, chapter 2, verses 17 and 18, we see God, uh, Christ giving us the example of having been tempted in every way, having been tempted in everything, but yet not sinning. Purity. It's not only spiritual purity, but also physical purity. Right? That's how we are supposed to smell to the Lord. Sacrificial, humble, obedient, pure in body and pure in spirit. Paul continues, continues on to say in verse 15 that we're also an aroma that brings life to those being saved. Right? This is a, that is the second audience that we find in, this, uh, uh, in these verses from Paul. That we're also an aroma that brings life to those being saved. What is it that you considered life-giving? Trips? Uh, family time? Um, playing ping pong? What is it that you find life-giving? I've got three things that I'd like to share with you about what I find life-giving that I think we're also encouraged to live and uh, be to others uh, according, according to Christ and according to, to our God. The first one, in John chapter 3, verse 16, one, some, some of the, one of the most known verses in the Bible and probably maybe your favorite, John three sixteen, and I'm going to be reading uh, off of the New Living Translation. And this version says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. The first thing that I find life-giving is being loved. 
Being loved blindly. Being loved regardless of the color of my skin. Being loved regardless of my language. Being loved regardless of my nationality. Being loved regardless of my social and economic background. Being loved regardless of my political views. Being loved regardless of any of my flaws. That is how we're supposed to smell to each other. That's how we give an aroma of life to those being saved. That's us, right? That's us, brothers, sisters in Christ. That's how we give life to each other. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse, verses 4 through 7, again, another one that is very well known to a lot of us, Paul describes how love is supposed to look like. And if love is one of those life-giving things to each other, then let's read it together so that we can see how this is supposed to look like. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wronged. Oh man, it starts getting difficult, right? This aroma thing. Maybe we want to be in the pimple room with my friends instead, right? It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. That's how love looks like. That's how giving each other life looks like, smells like. And that's the kind of aroma that God wants us to be to each other. Another thing that I find life-giving, and maybe you do too. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, and maybe you can infer which one it is. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful, so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Another way in which you can be that aroma of life for your brothers and sisters in Christ is that of giving and receiving words of encouragement. And, and these words of encouragement are not just those that are, yeah, you're doing good, thumbs up. We're talking about words that give each other strength, words that build each other up, words that give people hope, that give each other hope, words that repair spiritual and emotional wounds. I would rather hear you matter instead of you're worthless. I would rather hear you're the image of God instead of you're ugly. I would rather hear you're uniquely gifted or I see potential in you instead of you'll never amount to anything. I would rather hear I forgive you instead of I hate you. Speaking words of encouragement, words that build each other up, that help, that help us grow in Christ are the kinds of words that we need to give each other. In uh, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11, Paul again says, so encourage each other and build each other up, just as you're already doing. And I, I, I want to believe, and, I, and I, I'm convinced that here at Eastside, we are already building each other up. So let's not stop doing it. Let's continue doing it. Let's continue encouraging each other. Let's continue working in helping each other grow. 
Colossians chapter 4, verse 6 says, Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. I love that expression, seasoned with salt. Let it be, let it have flavor to each other. Let it be uh, uh, advantageous to each other. Let it be helpful to each other. This just reminds me, and I'm running out of time, but this just reminds me of the first meal that, I, that uh, my wife and I cooked together when we had just gotten married. Neither one of us knew how to cook, right? And uh, we invited this, uh, 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 these guys from the youth group, right? I mean, uh, these kids, and uh, we're like, all right, we're going we're gonna, to uh, uh, give you some taste of our great meal. So we cooked this chicken, you know, with cream and stuff like that, and it looked really nice, but it had no salt, so it had no taste, right? I mean, all, all you could taste was the, 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 the sour cream, and that's, that sour cream wasn't even sour. It had no taste. I mean, that, that was the bottom line. It had no taste, right? When you put that flavor to your words and then you put that salt to your words, you help build each other up. You help encourage one another. And we're being encouraged by Paul to do the same for us. Another way in which you can do this for your brothers and sisters, and I find this life-giving for me, and I'm pretty sure you do uh, 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 for you as well, is being treated with dignity and respect. Romans chapter, chapter 12, verse 10 says, Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Take delight in honoring each other. We're not talking about uh, 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 just... Uh, Things without soul, things without uh, 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 feeling. We're talking about words that actually you believe about your brother. You believe about your sister and treat him or treat her with the dignity and respect that he or she deserves. Right? Very practical. Very practical lesson from, uh, uh, from the Bible and from Paul in these verses. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 Give us another way in which we can honor each other. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. By putting others ahead of you, by putting others ahead of me, I'm also honoring my brother. I'm also honoring my sister. And I'm being that aroma that brings life to that person who's also being saved. The next part that, that Paul uh, uh, says in, in, uh, in uh, verse 15 of chapter 2 of 2 Corinthians is that we also are an aroma of death to those who are perishing. And on that I want to say, ouch. This is a difficult one, a hard one, an unpopular one. One that we don't usually like to talk about. Paul says that we're an aroma of death to those who refuse to surrender their lives to Christ. Remember the, 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 uh, the image that he is using of that triumphant general in which those at the end of the line are going to execution. It is not our job to judge. It is not our job to condemn. But it is definitely our job to warn that the judge is actually coming. Right? And I am not that. I'm not it. You are not it. Right? But there is one that is coming, and we need to warn. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 8, Paul says, If the trumpet doesn't sound clear, 
How will anyone get ready for battle? You need, we need to, to, uh, to warn others about the consequences of not surrendering our lives to Christ. And that is part of that aroma. And hopefully they will listen and turn that aroma of death into aroma of life for them. Wow, what a burden, you may say. What a task the Lord has given us. How can we do it? Well, verse 14, which I've left, I've left for last, is the one that gives us the key on how we are supposed to do this. But thanks be to God, Paul says, who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of Him everywhere. It is about us surrendering our will to God and accept His leadership. Let Him actually lead us. Let Him actually use us. And maybe you and I have uh, not led. Let God lead us in the way that He wants us to. Maybe you and I have not let God use us the way that He wants us to. Maybe it is a time today in which we need to come to the Lord and say, God, I do want you to lead me. I do want to surrender my beliefs and surrender my opinions to that what you believe, to that that you want me to be. I want you to use me so that I can be that aroma for others as you want me to be. Would you please stand with me and, and go to the Lord in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your leadership in our lives. We're thankful, Father, because we know that uh, we, are from, we go from triumph to triumph when we let you lead our lives, when, you, when we let you use us, Lord, to be that aroma of life and that Christ-like fragrance to you and others who surround us. Father, we come before you knowing that that doesn't happen all the time in our lives. That sometimes we are the ones who want to be in control and we are the ones who want to stick to our beliefs and what we consider uh, unmovable. And they're not necessarily aligned to your will for us, Lord. Father, guide our hearts, guide our minds so that we can see with your eyes. So that we can be that aroma that you want us to be, Lord, to others. To be ministers of life on your behalf, Lord, to those who know you and to those who do not know you yet. Father, we pray that uh, we can be humble and docile to be used by you, to be molded by you. Father, we know that you love us, and Father, we want to be the reflection of your love to others outside of these walls and inside these walls as well, Father. Thank you for your mercy and your love for us. In Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the Senior Minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.